0: Feeling better, looking better, making life better. It's Life Tips. We'll
1: explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life life, 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 Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster,
2: wiser. Here are your hosts.
0: Welcome back to The Life To Show, everyone. I'm here with Tim Ash. Tim, welcome. Uh, Thanks, Byron. Glad to be on the show. Tim, you are an entrepreneur, an author, and one hell of a guy. Let's tackle all three of those, (laughs) if we could. And full disclosure for the fans in the audience, um, Tim, you're a great friend of mine, and it's really an honor to have you here today. You're such an accomplished person. We're going to dive into that and really talk about entrepreneurial life. Now, tell us about some the, the the start of of site tuners and I assume by the way that's your first company you started although you might have had five other success stories I'm not sure about that
2: yeah actually it, it's the third company I started all with the same business partner so I've been on the entrepreneurial roller coaster for about 20 years since 2005 or sorry 1995 or rather uh, lost a decade there see how long it's been <laughs> uh, and but and we started out as an interactive agency helping to build websites then we got into pay per click marketing <laughs> then we saw the the rise of the affiliates Space and basically driving our own traffic using our own money uh, to landing pages and getting paid on a performance basis. And that kind of naturally led to the fact that we were sending good quality traffic to crappy landing pages, and we realized that the real business opportunity wasn't in being a super affiliate or driving traffic. It was in fixing all of those ugly babies out there, all those uh, poor converting experiences. So my company, SiteTuners, basically – helps companies of all sizes all around the world across all industries improve the efficiency of their websites or their landing pages
0: the first two companies you started, what what were the names of those companies, and and did they morph into SiteTuners, or or did you did they sort of crash and burn much much like many things I've started?
2: <laughs> well, well, uh, the first was called Future Focus, and it was a dot com incubator and accelerator. And this again, m- mid nineties, so we were helping companies uh, launch new dot coms. We'd take s- stock positions in them. We would act. As acting CTO on their management team till they were, we helped them get their first rounds of financing, and then of course the whole dot com bubble burst. And uh, we said, well, what can we do that what we've learned to do that that still works? And that was accountable marketing. That's how we got into pay per click marketing. So the second company was called Epic Sky, and it was about managing large pay per click campaigns. And the nice thing about that is you could show ROI, you could show, hey, I'm making you money, keep paying me so I can keep making you more money. And that was a very defensible kind of thing.
0: <clears throat> when you look back on your experience as an entrepreneur and, and how things developed and, and morphed from one to the other, do you have any tips or advice for any listeners on how you were able to find and discover this, this company, SiteTuners, which is obviously a smash hit and growing like crazy? What, what nuggets did you pick up along the way from well, these first I, two companies?
2: I'd say there are two things that matter. Uh, one is uh, Perseverance. I mean, this is a marathon. You're not going to be successful at a gate. At least I wasn't. I think a lot of people, uh, the ones that you think are, probably had some failures behind them. And I know that in Silicon Valley, they always look for the bloodied entrepreneur that's had a failure or two under their belt, and that that way they know that they're battle tested and will invest in them. It's the same thing. Don't expect overnight success. It might take you years or decades. In my case, uh, to to get even a modicum of it. Um, and the other thing is we probably change business models or businesses half a dozen times fundamentally along the way. So um, you have to be ready. Like a military leader is like, oh, look, someone cut my leg off. I still have to complete the mission. You know, so you have to make deal with what you have and go do something else. And if you see an opportunity, you have to place big bets on it and pivot the whole company as much as I hate the word pivot and it's overused, but you have to really, really think of where is what's the market telling me? Where's the opportunity? How do I change my business model? What kind of companies do I sell to What are the services or products? Everything should always be up for reconsideration. What's the biggest mistake you've made in your illustrious uh, migration to success? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, where do I start? Well, one of the early ones for sure was um, – holding on to people too long. Uh you know we had some very volatile times and I would try to build teams and we were all a family and we're going to hold hands and sing kumbaya but then when the big projects go away I, I held people on the payroll too long out of personal loyalty and, and, and things like that. And I, I also cut my own salary while paying other people, which in retrospect doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, but out of that same misguided loyalty. So now I'd say I'd fire faster, not because they're bad people, but if you know, your contracts go away, your business goes away, you got to right size the business at every stage. So you're not ble- bleeding cash or putting yourself personally in a bind.
0: On the opposite extreme, what's the
2: greatest move that you made to advance even your current business? I'd say that was probably writing um, the first edition of my landing page optimization book uh, by online marketing standards. It's a bit of a runaway success. Actually, between the two editions, now I came out with the second one um, that are, it's probably sold well over fifty, sixty thousand copies worldwide. So I'm very proud of that, and it's definitely jump started our business and our our reputation was solidified along with the follow on conversion conference series that I started. Perfect.
0: With with your first book, how long did it take you to create that mammoth uh, piece of paper stack of paper that you <laughs> drop on a desk and it shakes the ground a little bit? It's a very <laughs> voluminous and wonderful uh, book. I've read it, and, and well, thanks well, so much.
1: How long did it take
0: and and, and how did did you decide to get into that? Well, actually, the
2: opportunity was brought to me. uh, My buddy, Avinash Kaushik, whom everybody pretty much knows, uh, one of the leaders in web analytics and thought leadership around accountable marketing, he was writing a book for a division of Wiley Press. And um, they were looking for someone to write a book on – what at the time was Google Website Optimizer, this testing tool, free testing tool that Google came out with. And um, so they asked me if I would be interested in doing that because my company was one of the authorized agencies for that tool. And I said, well, that tool is going to be obsolete and change the moment you write a paper book about it. Why don't I talk about the broader subject of conversion rate optimization and landing page optimization, and then we'll do an appendix on the tool. And so I basically pitched that book idea to Wiley and flipped it on its head and uh, they accepted. And so it was the, due to that introduction by Avinash.
0: Can you just confirm with me that writing books makes absolutely no money but can, <laughs> but can offer uh, lots of reward in other ways? Can you talk about some of the reward you think you've gotten from the book and, and, and is how that's rolled out?
2: well there 's no question that handing someone a book, and while we 're still killing trees, a hand signed copy of a book is is very powerful. We do it routinely as part of our sales process and um, the opportunity to get extra exposure at conferences or I speak by doing a book signing or a book giveaway um, is is very, very powerful. I mean writing the book itself was probably the most painful. Thing I've ever gone through, short of the death of my dad, you know. But it was, this is was really a horrid experience. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But it, was it worth it? Absolutely. Over the years, it's it's paid off in spades.
0: Tell me a little bit about self
2: publishing. What
0: what's your take on on uh, people that cannot obviously get a contract with a Wiley or any of the other major publishers out there? You think self publishing is worth worth the effort to get uh, get your name in print in a self published format?
2: Yeah, It depends on on what your goal is. If it's to grow your business, again, that thunk of the book, as light or heavy as it is, is what matters. So from that sense, nobody cares who published it. Uh, If it's a reputation kind of book... It did matter to me because it was an established publisher. But the publishing business is going through convulsions and is dying dying a violent death. A lot of things are changing. Uh, So self-publishing is increasingly a viable option. The publisher's traditional role of editing and and things like that can be kind of outsourced now, and you can hire freelance editors to help you write it. As far as promoting the book, unless you're J.K. Rowling's or – The author of The Hunger Games, they're not exactly going to set up a book tour for you. So if you're already a self-promoter, an agency head, or a public figure like I am, that's what the publishers actually look for. So I'm questioning the value add that traditional publishers have. If you're going to promote your book, promote your book. Then you might as well get most of the financial benefit of it as well.
0: I want to focus on your big big brain for a second and, and ask you some questions about your knowledge source, if you will. Where, what, what do you surf, Tim? You know, what, what, when you're when you're gaining some knowledge, maybe for your upcoming conference that you're that you're hosting, or you know these other aspects of our life that we need need to always be in tune.
2: Where do you surf? What, what do you look at? What, what inspires you? Well, I, I do quite a bit of uh, – I, I look at Twitter, I look at Facebook, and by being connected to the right people, you kind of notice you know they just surface things and that appears on your radar depending on what hashtags you follow on Twitter and so on. Um, I also read a, quite a bit of traditional books, um, and uh, I find that uh, a lot more care goes into them. Yeah, it's great to see that blog post, seven biggest mistakes when optimizing your e-commerce checkout. Okay, great. Uh, but you know how deep can you really go in a blog post? So I think the the deeper thinking is still in books. And uh, so I I'd probably read a book a month on, on online marketing topics. I also think live events are critical to hear thought leaders speak. Um, even if you just pick up that nugget one time, that can be very powerful. And Changing your whole mindset or view on something is like opening up. You make you scratch a little something, and it opens up in this whole universe that you didn't know was there. And and you don't pick that up until it's in tone of voice, it's inflection. It might be a side conversation you have at a conference. I, I'm a real big believer in live events. Tell us about your
0: live event. How much time and energy and effort uh, do you have to put into running Conversion Conference? And tell us a little bit about the conference, for starters, and, and your next one.
2: Yeah, we, we started the conference five years ago. We've had events uh, all over the U.S. and, and in Europe, uh, San Jose, Chicago, Washington, San Francisco, uh, New York, uh, you, know, you name it, uh, Chicago, and um, we've uh, – decided that we're instead of three events a year in the U.S., we're going to focus on one big mega event. So we expanded it. We want to have more tracks uh, and more people. We're going to probably double the size. So the next one is in Las Vegas in the middle of May, May 13th and 14th of 2015. And right now we have really, really enticing early bird rates for it. Basically, if you want to learn from the best and drink from the fire hose on conversion rate optimization, everything from neuromarketing landing page testing, direct response, copywriting, visual design, user-centered design, and specialty sessions for e-commerce or lead generation, um, you're, you're going to really learn a lot. It's in, at the Rio in Las Vegas next May.
0: Terrific. Tell us a little bit about uh, the uh, choosing speakers and the agenda, uh, the course, you know, the actual material of sessions that that will be done. How, how do you develop that? How, do you, how does that all come together?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I I've as a speaker at other shows, I've seen different formats everything from open-ended Q&A on conferences to very structured stuff. What well, we've decided our show is primarily about two things: education And networking with your peers and and really feeling like you're part of a new and exciting industry. On the educational side, I want to get the best people. Often they're uh, practitioners within companies. Other times they're agency heads that do something specialized for a living and see lots of different kinds of client projects. My criterion is that you know what you're doing. And you can communicate it. And so we tend to go with just a single speaker for a 45 to 50 minute session instead of a panel where everybody goes an inch wide and a mile, sorry, a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, and, And we try to really go in depth and get the best speakers out there. Let's
0: take a break and go deep with landing page optimization and some questions I have for you there in the book and what you're doing there. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a few minutes. Life Tips will be right back after this short break.
2: At BruceClay.com.
1: When you started your business, you first listened to your professors. WebmasterRadio.fm listeners get an additional 30 days free after the free 30-day trial. Go to ShipStation.com slash WebmasterRadio now. Shipping Nirvana starts here. Mark and Robin sponsor seller meetup groups, share shipping tips and tricks through social media, and always love talking to customers and helping solve shipping challenges. Check out the website at bubblefast.com. Sign up for the Bubble Briefs newsletter to join the Bubblefast family. Use promo code WMR to get a 5% discount or call Mark and Robin at 877-599-7447. Happy shipping from Mark and Robin at Bubblefast. There are over 70 million active podcast listeners in the U.S. Webmaster Radio FM reaches them all with the largest global distribution of any online business-to-business podcast network through iHeartRadio, iTunes. Email sales at webmasterradio.fm today and get your message delivered now.
2: And now, back to Life Tips.
1: Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts.
0: Welcome back to the Life Tips show. Byron here. Tim, welcome back. Uh, Thanks, Byron. Uh, Enjoying it very much. Landing page optimization. That's a, a burly topic to, for you to take on. Tell us some latest and greatest secrets and wisdom that, uh, that you, you're finding with, with how this incredible profession is changing.
2: Wow. Well, I'd say that, you know, again, when I started the Conversion Conference five years ago, I wrote my book, my first edition back in 2008. It wasn't a field. It was an activity. I, there were search engine optimizers. There are affiliate managers. There are web developers. There are established job categories in online marketing. Conversion rate optimization, which is kind of the newer term for landing page optimization, wasn't a field yet. And now I'm proud to say that it's an established industry, that a lot of the people coming to the conversion conference have that as their primary job responsibility or even then their job title. Um, I also see a lot of the tools getting better for everything from landing page testing to user research. Uh, we put together a website incidentally, which your listeners should check out called ConversionNinjaToolbox.com. That's ConversionNinjaToolbox.com. That has about five or six hundred companies at this point that are all related to conversion rate optimization. Um, so if you want to get some great ideas for tools and what you should be using, go there. It's a free directory of, of all the conversion, the whole ecosystem, if you will. Uh, Very yeah. cool. <clears throat> Tell us – I'd like to
0: have a debate with you for a second. You know that I'm an old-school branding guy, and I believe in building a strong brand. I um, do. Um, <laughs> <but laughs> The concept of a single landing page and optimizing that page is difficult for branding people to wrap their head around. How has the whole funnel process and the way we look at conversion changed, Tim, particularly in the last few few years and even few months for that matter?
2: Well, well, I think again, the title of my book originally was because that uh, landing page optimization came about because that was the term Google was really pushing. And I think the proper term for the industry is conversion rate optimization, making whatever you do on your website more efficient. So to me, it's not a standalone landing page. It could be that, or it could be microsite or even important pages on your site where lots of traffic lands on the way to a business goal that you can measure and has value to you. So anything from where you land to where you actually complete the action, whether it's an e-commerce checkout or a form fill or a download or registration, all of that, that whole path is ripe for optimization. So don't think of it as standalone pages.
0: Tell us about mobile and what's happening with with, uh, conversion rate optimization within the mobile sphere.
2: Well, okay. So next year's the year of mobile. No, I'm just kidding. Actually, yeah, haven't we been saying that for five
0: years now? Yeah,
2: actually, last year was the year of mobile. If you're not doing mobile, you're late to the party. In fact, I hate to say it, shoemakers' children always go barefoot. But we're deploying our first, uh, you know, mobile version of our website soon. Here, Um, too busy doing client work. But um, I'd say, yeah, mobile is critical. The thing that most people, the mistake that most people make is they do what I call responsive light. I mean, there's a lot of talk about responsive design. And so your website should work on everything from your old BlackBerry to an 80-inch you know, <laughs> high-definition 4K TV. That's not likely. Just stretching things and snapping things to single columns, that's not the point. I really believe that on mobile, we have to take the context into account. People are even more uh, kind of attention deficit disorder, if you will. They're more distracted. They have less time. They care more about time-sensitive, high-pressure things or things around them in the physical environment and their location. So you have to fundamentally rethink your website and say, what tiny subset of that should be my mobile experience? You shouldn't just be trying to reformat the same old crap into a single-column website. Do you
0: think visuals will begin to have more and more of an impact on conversion rate uh the optimization and and betterment? Are we becoming more visual and are you seeing that uh, impact both in the mobile and the and the traditional web sense I think
2: that The The human brain, 90% of the information coming into the brain and about 50% of the brain hardware is devoted to visual processing. No question that's our dominant sense. We experience life as a 3D movie, if you will. Uh, Well... The, so we've always known about the power of visuals but I think it's just the opposite that we don't need more visuals, we need less or we need them properly deployed As, uh, my, my big axe to grind is I see a lot of visual designers that are not focused on conversion and they'll put all these visual boogers and embellishments and baroque elements on their page that completely undermine and distract from the intended call to action and especially if you're talking about any kind of motion, whether it's swipes fades, dissolves, sliders, auto play videos you have to be really really careful with that stuff i call motion in your visual space the nuclear option i mean nothing's going to withstand the blast radius so if you have more subtle stuff on the page it's not going to get picked up on
0: where's ux playing the role these days in your opinion user experience, well, design, user experience design particularly yeah
2: user experience is critical i've always uh, i started out in the in the 1980s at UC San Diego, which is a top research university, and Don Norman, who's back there now leading a design program, literally wrote the book on user-centered design. And the basic idea is still fundamentally sound, which is, There's no such thing as a perfect system out there. The question is, is it perfect for its intended purpose from the perspective of your visitor? And I think it's even after 30 years of crying in the wilderness, most people still design from their company's viewpoint and not their visitor's viewpoint. So it's a huge need for good user experience people. And it's broadened out, I think, beyond the actual website to all the touch points. So we talk about customer experience or the customer's or the buyer's journey. Uh, And that could be across the phone. Your chat, uh, if your physical store, if you're a brick and click retailer, so all of those things matter because it's they're all touch points around your brand. There, there, I said it, Byron Brand. Yeah. Tell
0: us about SiteTuners. I want to conclude with, with with some thoughts from you there. How are you measuring the success from an entrepreneurial perspective? Are you looking at numbers weekly for your performance? Are you reviewing KPIs with your with your teammates? What's driving entrepreneurial success for you, Tim?
2: Uh, well, I think it's a, it's a level of, I would say, operational maturity. As, as boring as that sounds, it's all of those things you're talking about. I think most of us, uh, like uh, Gerber's fantastic book, The E-Myth, uh, point out, start a company in a fit of entrepreneurial frenzy. Like, I can do that better than my boss. What do I need him for? Uh, but we don't put in the systems around it. We don't work on the business. We work in the business uh, as a practitioner of whatever craft service that we offer. So by putting in all those, what's the project profitability, standardizing all of our materials, all of our workflow, basically processizing the work of an agency doing complex stuff, uh, we've gotten a lot more reliable kind of outcomes for our clients and more predictable, uh, less wear and tear in the client relationship as well and interface with our people. So I think the operational stuff is what makes or breaks an agency, and that's what we're focusing on.
0: Where do you think you'll be in, in, in say, two to five years from now with SiteTuners?
2: Are you planning that far ahead? Absolutely. Uh, wh- there, there are a couple of key things there. One is that we, uh, I'm known in the field uh, of conversion rate optimization, but I don't want it to be the Tim show. Uh, so we're developing lots of other voices of people uh, contributing to our content marketing and thought leadership and speaking in conferences. I really want to grow the people uh, in the agency to stand up and, and uh, represent and have – they're the ones doing the work. They often have a much deeper knowledge of it than I do because I just work on some of our strategic larger accounts these days. So they're more in the trenches. And I – so I want to – Enable the careers of all the people working, and and show the people that work at SightTuners that there's a path for them to continue to learn and grow. There's no topping out.
0: I guess finally, who do you want to get to? Who who do you want to hear from, Tim? Between your shows and your
2: books and your everything else under the sun. Who 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 would you like to reach out to you in the audience? And by the way, Byron, as you know, I also do a show on Webmaster Radio called Landing Page Optimization. It's a um, biweekly interview show. And we're really looking for folks that are at the top of their game in conversion. And that's a really broad discipline. So it could be people in direct response copywriting. It could be user experience people, conversion-focused visual designers. Uh, But most of the focus these days is for us on neuromarketing and understanding the latest in brain research, how people make decisions. And it's subconscious and it's irrational and it doesn't make sense. And and all of us, as logical as we like to think we are, can be easily swayed by a few relatively easy tricks because our brains take shortcuts and they'll continue to do that because it it keeps the cognitive load down so uh, we're studying the wetware of the brain not the hardware or the software of the technology great having you on the show today tim thanks so much oh absolutely my pleasure until
0: next week everybody i hope your life is a little smarter better faster and wiser and more conversive thanks for tuning in